0: Chapter One of the Mystery at Dark Cedars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carrie Chirac. The Mystery at Dark Cedars by Edith Lavelle. Chapter One The House of Mystery. Be quiet, Silky. What's the matter with you? You don't usually bark like common dogs over nothing." The brown spaniel stopped under a maple tree and wagged his tail forlornly, looking pleadingly into his mistress's eyes, as if he were trying to tell her that he wasn't just making a fuss over nothing. Mary Louise Gay stooped over and patted his head. She was a pretty girl of sixteen, with dark hair and lovely brown eyes and long lashes that would make an actress envious. "'I see what Silky means cried her companion, Jane Patterson, who lived next door to Mary Louise and was her inseparable chum. Look, Mary Lou, up in the tree, a kitten! Both girls gazed up at the leafy branches overhead and spied a tiny black kitten crying piteously. It had climbed up and couldn't get down. I'll get it, said Mary Louise. She swung herself lightly to the lowest branch, chinned herself, and climbed the tree. In another minute, she had rescued the kitten with her hands stretch on your tiptoes jane she called to her chum and see if i can hand it down to you the other girl who was much shorter and stockier than mary louise did as she was told but the distance was too great i suppose i'll have to climb down with her in one hand concluded mary louise that's not so easy drop her over to that branch you swung up by and i'll get her from there suggested jane a moment later mary louise was at her chum's side stroking the little black kitten "'now purring contentedly in Jane's arms. "'I wonder whose it is,' she remarked. "'There isn't any house near except old Miss Grant's.' Both girls turned and looked at the hill which rose at the right of the lonely road on which they had been walking. The house, a large drab plaster building, was barely visible through the dark cedars that surrounded it on all sides. A high, thick hedge, taller than an average-sized man, gave the place an even greater aspect of gloominess and seclusion.' Maybe it is Miss Grant's kitten, suggested Jane. Old maids are supposed to like cats, you know. Mary Louise's brown eyes sparkled with anticipation. I hope it is, she exclaimed, and then we'll get a look inside of that house, because everybody says it's supposed to be haunted. Our colored laundress's little girl was walking past it one evening about dusk, and she heard the most terrible moan. She claims that two eyes, without any head or body, looked out through the hedge at her. She dropped her bundle and ran as fast as she could for home you don't really believe there's anything do you mary lou i don't know there must be something queer about it maybe there's a crazy woman shut up in the tower you've been reading jane eyre haven't you jane but there isn't any tower on the grant house well i guess miss grant is crazy enough herself she dresses in styles of forty years ago did you ever see her yes i've had a glimpse of her once or twice when i walked past here she looks like the picture of the old maid on the old maid cards it must be awful for that girl who lives with her. What girl? inquired Jane. A niece, I believe. She must be about our age. Her father and mother both died. She has to live with Miss Grant. They say the old lady treats her terribly, much worse than the two old servants she keeps. While this conversation was going on, the two girls, followed by Silky, were walking slowly up the hill towards the big hedge which surrounded the Grant place. Once inside the yard, it was almost like being in a deep, thick woods. Cedar trees completely enclosed the house and grew thick on both sides of the narrow path leading from the gate to the porch. In spite of the fact that it was broad daylight, Jane found herself shuddering, but Mary Louise seemed delighted with the strange, gloomy atmosphere. "'Doesn't this girl go to high school?' asked Jane. "'If she's about our age, I don't believe so. I never saw her there.' They stopped when they reached the steps of the porch and looked about with curiosity. It certainly was a run-down place. Boards were broken in the steps, and pieces of plaster had crumbled from the outer wall. The greyish-coloured ivy which grew over the house seemed to emphasise its aspect of the past. "'Isn't Miss Grant supposed to be rich?' whispered Jane incredulously. "'It doesn't look like it.' "'They say she's a miser. Hoards every cent she can get,' Mary Louise smiled. "'I believe I'll tell Daddy to report her for hoarding. She deserves it.' "'Better wait and find out whether she really is rich, hadn't you?' returned Jane. "'Your father's a busy man.' Mary Louise nodded and looked at her dog. "'You lie down, Silky,' she commanded, "'and wait for us here. Miss Grant probably wouldn't like you. "'She might think you'd hurt Pussy,' she smiled indulgently. "'She doesn't know you belong to the Dog Scouts and do a kind act every day, "'like rescuing cats in distress.' The spaniel obeyed, and the two girls mounted the rickety steps of the porch— Although it was late in June, the door was closed tightly, and they had to pull a rusty knocker to let the people inside know that they were there. It was some minutes before there was any reply. A sad-faced girl in an old-fashioned purple calico dress finally opened the door and stared at them with big grey eyes. The length of her dress, the way her blonde hair was pulled back and pinned into a tight knot, made her seem much older than her visitors. A suggestion of a smile crossed her face at the sight of the girl's pleasant faces, "'and for a second she looked almost pretty. "'Is this your kitten?' asked Mary Louise. "'We rescued it from a tree down the road.' "'The girl nodded. "'Yes, it belongs to my Aunt Maddie. "'Come in, and I'll call her.' "'The girl stepped into the dark square hall "'and looked about them. "'The inside of the house was even more forbidding than the outside. "'The ceilings were high and the wallpaper dark. "'All the shutters were drawn, "'as if there were poison in the June sunlight.' For no reason at all that they could see, the old stairs suddenly creaked. Jane shuddered visibly, and the girl in the purple dress smiled. "'Don't mind the queer noises,' she said. "'Nothing ever happens in the daytime.' "'Then something does happen after dark?' questioned Mary Louise eagerly. "'Oh, yes. Why, only two nights ago—' "'What's this? What's this?' demanded the sharp, high voice of an old woman. "'What are you standing there talking about, Elsie, with all those peaches waiting to be paired?' All eyes turned naturally towards the old staircase, from which the sound of the voice was coming. Miss Grant slowly descended, holding her hand on her right side and grunting to herself, as if the act of walking were painful to her. She was a woman of at least sixty-five, thin and wrinkled, but with little sharp black beady eyes that seemed to peer into everything suspiciously, as if she believed the whole world evil. She was wearing an old-fashioned black dress and a dark shawl about her shoulders, "'These girls have found your kitten, Aunt Mattie," Elsie informed her. "'They rescued her from a tree.' The black eyes softened, and the old woman came towards the girls. "'My precious little Puffy!' she exclaimed, as one might talk to a baby. Then her tone abruptly became harsh again as she turned to her niece. "'Go back to your work, Elsie,' she ordered gruffly. "'I'll attend to this.' Without any reply, the girls slunk away to the kitchen, and Miss Grant took the kitten from Jane. "'Tell me what happened to my poor little pet,' she said. Briefly, Jane repeated the story, with an emphasis upon Mary Louise's prowess in climbing trees. Apparently, the old lady was touched. "'I must say that was good of you,' she remarked. "'Not a bit like what most young people nowadays would do. All they seem to enjoy is torturing poor helpless creatures.' She put the kitten down on the floor and turned towards the stairs. "'You wait,' she commanded the girls. "'I'm going to get you a reward for this.' Oh no, Miss Grant, they both protested instantly, and Mary Louise went on to explain that they were Girl Scouts and never accepted money for good turns. Even Silky knows better than that, she added to herself. He won't expect a bone for rescuing Pussy. Only a pat on the head. You really mean that? demanded Miss Grant, in obvious relief. She would have saved two cents. She had meant to give each girl a whole penny. Tell me your names then, she continued, and where you live. I might want to call on you for help sometime." I can't trust my niece as far as my nose, and my servants are both old. Mary Louise chuckled. So there was a mystery in this house, a lurking danger that Miss Grant and her niece both feared, and she and Jane were being drawn into it. Jane Patterson and Mary Louise Gay, she replied. We live over in Riverside next to the high school. You can get us on the phone. I don't have a telephone, too expensive. Besides, if I had one, I couldn't tell what deviltry Elsie might be up to. No, I don't hold with these modern inventions. Well, you could send Elsie for us if you need any help, suggested Jane. It's only a little over a mile. You see, Mary Louise's father is a detective on the police force, and we're both interested in mysteries. I'm not thinking of any mystery, snapped Miss Grant. What I'm thinking of is facts. One fact is that I've got a pack of scheming relations who are trying to send me off to the hospital for an operation while they loot my house. Mary Louise's forehead wrinkled in surprise. "'I didn't know you had any relations beside your niece,' she said. "'Certainly I have. Haven't you ever heard of the Grants in Riverside? Mrs. Grace Grant, a woman about my age, she has two grown sons and a married daughter. Well, they spent all their money and now they want mine, but they're not going to get it.' Her hand went to her side again, as if she were in pain, and Mary Louise decided it was time for them to go. "'Well, goodbye, Miss Grant,' she said.' and don't forget to call on us if you want help. It was a relief to be out in the bright sunlight again, away from the gloom and the decay of that ugly house. Mary Louise took a deep breath and whistled for Silky. He was waiting at the foot of the porch steps. As they walked down the path, they were startled by a rustle in one of the cedar trees. Silky perked up his ears and went to investigate the disturbance. In another moment, a head peered cautiously through the branches. It was Elsie Grant. "'Will you come over here and talk to me a little while?' she whispered, as if she were afraid of being caught. I never see any girls my own age, and you look so nice. Both Mary Louise and Jane were touched by the loneliness of this poor, unhappy orphan. They went gladly to her side. Don't you go to school? asked Mary Louise. I mean, when it isn't vacation time. The girl shook her head. That must be awful, exclaimed Jane. Sometimes I hate school, but I'd certainly hate worse never to go. How old are you? i'm only fifteen replied elsie but it seems as if i were fifty i mean the time is so long yet i've really only lived here with aunt mattie two years and didn't you ever go to school questioned mary louise she couldn't believe that for the girl spoke beautiful english oh yes before i came here i was just ready to enter high school when my mother died only a couple months after my father was killed in an accident he was aunt mattie's youngest brother and he didn't leave any money so I had to come and live with her. But I can't see why she doesn't send you to school, protested Jane. It's a public high school. It wouldn't cost her anything. Yes, it would, because I haven't any clothes except these old things of hers. I can't go anywhere. I'm too ashamed. Mary Louise's eyes gleamed with indignation. That's terrible, she cried. We can report her. Elsie shook her head. No, you couldn't because she feeds me well enough and gives me clothing that is clean and warm enough in winter. No, there isn't a thing anybody can do, except wait until I'm old enough to work in somebody's kitchen. No, protested Jane. But I thought if I could just see you two girls once in a while and talk to you, life wouldn't seem so bad, if I could call you by your first names. Of course you can, Mary Louise assured her, and she told Elsie their names. We'll come over often, and I don't believe your aunt will object because she seems to like us. She loves that kitten, explained Elsie. It's the only thing in the world she does love, besides money. She mentioned her money, remarked Jane, and told us that she believed her relatives were trying to get it away from her. By the way, said Mary Louise, you started to tell us about something that happened here two nights ago, remember? What was it? Elsie shivered as though the memory of it were still painful to her i sleep up in the attic all by myself and i hear the most awful noises at night i'm always scared to death to go to bed don't the servants sleep there too asked mary louise she was anxious to get her facts straight from the beginning no they sleep on the second floor in a room over the kitchen there are just two of them an old married couple named hannah and william Grobin. well night before last i heard more distinct noises than ever first i thought it was one of the trees near my window and i nerved myself to get out of bed and look out "'And what do you think I saw?' "'A ghost,' whispered Jane in awe. "'No, I don't think so. "'I believe it was a human being. "'Anyway, all I saw was two bright eyes "'peering in at the window. "'What did you do?' demanded Mary Louise breathlessly. "'Scream?' "'No, I didn't. "'Once before I screamed, "'and Aunt Maddie had William investigate everything, "'and when he found nobody, "'I was punished for my foolishness. "'I had to eat bread and water for two days.' and it taught me a lesson. I never screamed again. Then what happened? I think whoever it was climbed from the tree into the attic storeroom window and went through an old trunk in there. I heard a little noise, but I couldn't tell whether it was only the wind or not. Anyway, nothing was known about it till yesterday, when Aunt Mattie went up to look for something in her trunk. Did you tell her then? I tried to, but she wouldn't listen. She accused me of going through her trunk, but I wasn't punished because nothing was stolen. Then... It couldn't have been a robber, said Mary Louise, or something would have been taken. Wasn't there anything else in the house missing? Not a thing. Hannah even counted the silver and found it was all there. How does Hannah account for it? Or does she think, like your aunt, that you did it? Questioned Mary Louise. Hannah says it was spirits. She says the spirits can't rest as long as their old things are around. She wants Aunt Maddie to burn or give away all the old clothing in the house. She says dead people's clothes are possessed. Jane let out a peal of laughter, but Mary Louise warned her to be quiet. "'We mustn't get Elsie into trouble,' she explained. "'Was that the only time anything like that ever happened?' asked Jane. "'No. Once, earlier in the spring, when Hannah and William were away at some lodge supper, their room was entered and searched. I was blamed and punished then, though nothing was missing that time either. But the awful part of it is, I expect it to happen again every night, every time the wind howls or a branch beats against a window pane, I'm sure they're coming again, whoever they are, and I am afraid-something's got to be done announced Mary Louise with determination. I'm not my father's daughter if I allow a mysterious outrage like this to go on. She pressed Elsie's hand. You can count on us, she concluded. We'll be back to see you tomorrow. Chapter One